Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome off the post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing good, Russell. Yourself? Uh, battling a head cold and poison ivy. I even realized, I didn't realize it until yesterday that I even got some poison ivy in my eye from when I was doing the buzzcast. So it's been, it's been an interesting couple days, but you know, I'm I had a, championing I had a through. Nasty, I had a pretty nasty migraine yesterday that pretty much took me out of commission for most of the evening. Yeah. I, got, I, got to get, I had to get caught up this morning more than anything. So. Yeah, we're championing through here. And uh, Mike? Yeah, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, yard work is the work of the devil. I've got scratches all over my arms because of cutting down a bush from like 12 feet to 6 feet. And I think I, I think I would rather do anything other than work in the yard. I don't mind the yard work until it gives me poison ivy. All right, so let's get with the, the first story, which will be Chuka Rask. And um, the horrible takes that sub, really what I would call subhuman people are, are giving this um when we first heard it all we heard is hey you know we saw we we talked about on the buzzcast we we talked about the quote and and we felt like they were honest quotes that he was giving and then you know the next day he opts out and again nobody is even willing not nobody but a lot of people aren't willing to even understand uh that he's got a four-month-old at home and two other young kids. And, Aunt, what if his wife said, hey, this is a lot this time. I don't know if I can handle this. And maybe he had guilt for leaving in the first place. This would all make sense to me. You're a dad, and Mike and I aren't. So what do you think? I mean, yeah, it, 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 family pressure in this case is, is, is a very real thing in terms of – and I, I hate to use the phrase pressure because at the end of the day, it's responsive. You do – you do have responsibilities at the end, in the end to, to, you know, to your family. Now, again, there, there, we have this constant push-pull of, well, you're well compensated and you should, yeah. you should be able to have, like, enough people around you. Well, there's something to be said, you know, for this period of time in your life, especially when your child is young, so, you know, little. And, I, you know, some of the commentary certainly that came from, you know, Brandon Prost, and obviously Mike, and obviously Mike Milbury. So hold it right there. Let me read Mike Milbury, and then I'll let you comment. Here's what Mike Milbury said. Nobody simply opted out to leave the bubble just because they didn't want to be here, and they didn't need to be, and they needed to be with their family. I wouldn't have done it. The rest of the league's players have not done it. That's pretty tone deaf, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, and for all, again, it, it, it's putting yourself – in this circumstance, you could say that other players haven't. Well, now somebody has. Right. So just because Tukaraz didn't follow lockstep with the rest of the league and we're in the middle of, oh, I don't know right now, Mike, we're in the middle of, of a freaking pandemic right now, and this isn't a normal circumstance. You should know that yourself after doing multiple overtime games and you're basically, you're, you, your head's been in a fog for most of this entire tournament yeah. with regards to your commentary. So maybe – have a little bit of understanding in the circumstance of the extreme nature of this whole situation rather than opening your mouth and inserting your shoe, which, you know, you're obviously very skilled at. Mike? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the you know, 300 and some odd players of the, uh, or more than that, uh, that are in the bubbles in Edmonton, Toronto, really wanted Mike Milbury, bad take Mike, to be their their spokesman about what they believe and what they don't believe. I mean, it's you know, I mean, go go jump off the space needle, uh, Mike. I mean, because it's it's it, it's idiotic. I mean, Rask had reasons. Don Sweeney came out, fully supported him. His teammates have come out and supported him. That should mm-hmm. be it. Now, I know I, I expected when it was announced that he was leaving the bubble a, after his comments on Friday that Boston fans were going to be disappointed and react, you know, because they're fans. They were going to react negatively toward it, and we know that there's been an undercurrent of negative feeling about Tuka Rask ever since he replaced Tim Thomas, and this will just add to it. But I, I don't think he should face any criticism because, you know, they're, these these players are people, and they have more responsibilities than just what they do on the ice. There's well, I'll even I... go one one step further, Mike. Um, in March, the last game that I attended as media media for at the Wells Fargo um, was against Boston, and Tuka Rask played great. He came out after he spoke for a while. This is before the birth of his kid, right? Because I think his kid was, child was born in April. There didn't seem to be any issues then. So clearly, you know, issues can happen when you have a lot of kids at home. That's obvious. Right. And, I mean, there's, there are some people who think, well, you know, this is the last you'll see of Tuka Rask. He's got a year left in his contract, and I don't think that there – I mean, at least – that we have heard there are, there are no negative ramifications. I expect him to be back next year with the Bruins. He, you know, he's a candidate for the Vezina Trophy, so it's like, I mean, my God. So it's not, like they're, it's not like they're kicking out somebody who's over the hill. It's somebody who is still in the prime of his career and still an excellent goaltender. But, I, you know, getting to the hockey of it, I, the funny thing is, is that this shows the team that won the President's Trophy where they're without their best scorer, uh, in, in David Pasternak. They're without their number one goaltender. And yesterday, they're just chugging along. They played a complete game against Carolina. They, they shut them down. They got enough, goal, got enough offense from their, from their remaining players. Halak played really well. I mean, obviously, if they don't get Pasternak back or, you know, if, you know we know that Rask is not going to be back for the rest of the playoffs, it's going to affect them. But they're still good enough to have success. Yeah, I don't think I anybody's the, shocked. They're used to adjusting it. Yeah, I made the point. I made the point yesterday. Exactly, I made the point yesterday, right after the Rask announcement in the morning, that in many ways, you know, Rask may have also timing-wise had done the Bruins. I mean, it's not obviously from a team perspective and having to adjust. Now, obviously, this was no. We all got the release ninety minutes before the game. But we know this decision was made the evening prior, and right. teams get the opportunity to sort of adjust. And they kind of know – they're going to know within whether or not, you know, what, potentially what the circumstance is going to be. So I don't think the Bruins necessarily were completely caught by surprise with this, judging from – number, number one, judging from the commentary of Rask prior to that, which, again, if you want to maybe point to a moderate bit of criticism and say, you know, and, and he's being honest about the whole environment, and that, that's right. fine. But I, I, I can see how some of his teammates might say, hey, we know that's how you feel. You just don't need to let the rest of the world know this is how you're feeling right now. So if you're going to point any criticism towards Raz, you could probably say from, a, from an internal perspective, that's probably sure. it. Uh, but 
The Bruins, I looked at it and said, if anything, if he's going to leave, now is probably going to be the time. The series is at 1-1. Right. And it's early in the series. It's, it's still early in the series where things, again, could potentially I mean, It's not convenient. It's not great. But, imagine, again, imagine the Bruins are down, you know, or, or tied 2-2 going into a game five. It gets re- Again, at that point, it gets really – I think it gets a, lot, a little bit tougher to – make yeah. that adjustment then. So if anything, by him leaving early in the series, that allows the Bruins to make the adjustments that they need to earlier uh, rather than later. And that, to me, in that circumstance, it's not optimal, but I do think that if Rask was to leave and he felt strongly enough about leaving, that leaving prior to game three is certainly more palatable than leaving prior to, you know, obviously further on in the series, especially – if his performance isn't up to the level that he knows he's capable of. Yeah. Now let's get some more tone deafness with Jack Edwards, because I may not have watched the game, but I did see the play. And honestly, what Jack Edwards was saying, like Svechnikov, like hanging on his back and none of that happened. All Svechnikov was doing was trying to get position in the crease. That's all he was trying to do. Let's let's read the exact tweet for everybody who may not have. So this is from Jack Edwards. And this is after the play. We all, everybody saw, obviously, the clip of Svechnikov's injury. What NBC hasn't shown regarding the unfortunate injury to Svechnikov, the Carolina wing was playing hobby horse, riding Chara on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see Svechnikov hurt, but he bit off more than he can chew. Problem number one, Jack, it wasn't Svechnikov behind the net with Chara. It was Sebastian Ajo. No. Exactly. Yeah. It was Ajo, basically, that was tangling with him behind the net. Also, when you get to the point of the ice where the two of them are at, this is, you know, the, your classic sort of battling it out. And for those criticizing yeah. Chara and saying, I think it's a slew, but I don't. I think this is just your classic two players battling it out in front. I give Svech a lot of uh, credit for being willing to go to the front of the net against yes. a guy the size sure. of Chara. I think, it, to me, it was more of a classic two guys battling each other out in front, and, the, and he's going up against you know, a bear in this case, and in that battle, he got his, he, 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 you know, we saw what happened. The legs tangled, I'm yeah. Chara, I'm not blaming Svechnikov. What Jack Edwards did, in my mind, with that comment was he quickly looked at it and reacted the way he always does, which is always just, you know, not, you know, just, just purely reactionary and not really looking yeah. at it, and it's really just an absolutely poor tone-deaf take from, from an announcer who, Again, as I said yesterday, in my opinion, Jack, there's a, there's, we, we hear homerism all the time, a lot of times from announcers, but Jack Edwards takes it to gaslighting levels. Yeah. Through, through, he, he looks at everything through black and gold sunglasses, and I, and I, I, I get that. He's, but it's you know, whoever but this is he's ridiculous. being. But it's ridiculous, Mike. This is like. Well, oh, no, no. I, I, I'm not. Believe, believe me, I'm not defending it, Anthony, because a few years ago when Boston played Toronto in a series. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it was during the series or if it was during the regular season when Roman Polak got hurt. Uh, you know, Edwards basically said he got his just desserts because Polak yeah. plays like like a Bruins player. He plays, you know, on the edge, and it's like, okay, you know where your bread, his bread is buttered. But it's, I, I mean, this is the thing. Suchnikov was battling Chara in front of the net. He tried to spin off of him. It looked like his skate got caught in the ice, and. And the injury, and we haven't heard any update of it. At least I haven't heard an update of it. Yet. No, I haven't it, seen an update. It, yeah, it looked it looked ugly. It looked like yeah, at best a high ankle sprain, and at worst, you know, maybe maybe a broken fibula. So if it, it's that, and you know, Carolina loses 
arguably their best forward in these playoffs. Um, you know, I think they're in a little bit in trouble. And, you know, the funny thing was we were talking on the Buzzcast about them sticking with Reimer in Game 3. They went back to Morazic, and Morazic was not particularly strong. Now now you've got a goaltending controversy. They were going with, you know, with Reimer in the second of back-to-backs like they did in the first round, and they did it this time around. And then they go back to Morazic. So, I mean, is is there some little... A seed planted in Rodman Moore's uh, head that okay now I got to go back to Reimer or do I stick with with Morazic? It's it's a controversy that didn't need to be there and now I think is there. Right. So <laughs> my phone. I hit, I clicked on it. Nice. And now it won't shut off. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the Coyotes. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the Coyotes, like I said, I'm, I'm slow on everything today. Let's talk about the Coyotes-Avalanche game. Um, that was a must-win one. We talked about Darcy Kempner probably going to come through, but my phone just won't give up here. <laughs> it just toss it, across, toss it across the room. <laughs> I know. If it wasn't so expensive, I would. Um, but at any rate, they, they came in with a must-win. We, we thought Kempner could win a couple games, and he certainly was the difference in this one. I didn't watch any of it, but I was happy to see um, Lawson Krause get a goal, and that makes me think with his two goals, he's probably got two more goals than some other players on Florida, the team that drafted him and then traded him. So that's my thought on that. What's your guys' thoughts? First things first, I think Russ has to make sure to get at least one uh, Florida Panthers dig in personally. Well, you wonder, I mean, I don't, this is, it, it's sort of like letting people know, you wonder why, how a team can't get over the hump. It's things like that. Yeah, I mean, in this, again, I, we knew Coyotes, again, absolutely, dom- you know, basically dominated the first two games of the series. This had to be, this had to be their, their stand here or else they were looking at a sweep. So, you know, and and again, Colorado did really put a lot of pressure on Arizona in this game. But again, it comes down to sometimes your goaltender has to steal a game. And we've seen some amazing performances in this postseason, but I think Kemper's uh, performance yesterday was right up there and was necessary for, for Arizona now to have a bit of a prayer in the series uh, to potentially you know, have a chance to bring things equal. But I do think overall the Coyotes' performance, while better, will need to be even that much better uh, in game four in order to be able to even out this series. But it was good to see certainly uh, certain key players in Arizona. You saw Taylor Hall get loose, Derek Stepan, Krauss obviously with, goal, with, a goal as, with his goal as well. Um, I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more better performance out of, from the Colorado's perspective out of Pavel Francouz. I thought he was, thought he was okay and merely okay in the game. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing that kind of concerns me with regards to if, um, if there, if what's name does go if down. If Grubauer doesn't, doesn't. Grubauer, I do, have, you know, again, one game is one game, but I was hoping to see a little bit more out of Francouz, who's kind of one of my, sort of low-key guys I like to watch after his years in the KHL and seeing what he was able to do there. But, um, again, it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, Certainly a depth player like Richardson, seeing him getting on the board is is a cool thing. But, um, yeah, this was all about – this was all about – this is the Darcy Kemper show absolutely yesterday. So, Mike, after double-checking it, to make things worse, it looks like – and I'd forgotten this – Kraus was the throw-in – so that Arizona would take the Dave Bolin contract, which is another brilliant signing. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, no, I'm 
I'm anxiously awaiting your comments on ex-Panthers Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith when we talk about Vegas. Um, but <laughs> there won't the, uh, be. I'm done. But, but but just look at just look at this looking at this series. I mean, I continue to think that the Avalanche are going to win. Probably, I think I picked them in five. But you know, I mean, and I, I think we, I think we all said on the on the Buzzcast that you know Kemper was going to have to have a Corpusallo like performance to for them to to get a victory. And you know, they he faced 20 shots in the first period and stopped all 20, and they got the lead. And you know, even after Burakovsky tied it, they 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 take the lead late in the second and and go on from there. So you know, full marks for. For the, for the Coyotes, but I, I think that in this series they're second-class citizens. They don't have enough talent to beat a, a team in the Avalanche that are just loaded and seem to be playing. The, and then the only concern with the with the Avalanche, like we've been saying, is you know, is it Grubauer? Is it Francouz? Uh, you know, what, yeah. what are they? You know, what are they going to do in goal? And you know, if they do fall short this postseason, that may be something that Joe Sackick is going to have to address. Um, because uh, you know, I, I think they're they may be a number one goaltender away from winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I, if this isn't the year, although I still think they're going to do it, you're right. That that may be uh, something they look at. All right, not much to say about Vegas and Chicago at this point, and it's 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 going the way we thought. We didn't think Chicago had much of a chance. Uh, there's good reason for that. Like, again, I know Chicago advanced, so everybody was like, oh, see, see, they're better than what you thought. And it's like, well, not when they go up against a good team in the West. Then they're, then they're really not. Yeah, I mean, it's, they, it's, they were fortunate that certainly they, 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 they got the right opponent in Edmonton. We were all obviously wrong on that. We were concerned about yes. you know, Edmonton's pace, and Chicago actually outpaced them in that series yep. as we discovered, you know, they had a lot of good young talent. I'm going to say this, though. I think Chicago still, despite the series being where it's at right now, I thought they actually accorded themselves pretty well last night. Um, I thought their defense – I think their, their, their defense was better That's fair. than we saw prior. Um, I mean, it's not much to say. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, Vegas is just, you know, more uh, – just a more developed, closer to – way closer to a Stanley Cup than they are. That said, I, I can't get too much on Chicago. Again, they, they, they can only do what they could do, and when Vegas decides they want to basically play lockdown, it, it, especially when you have Pete DeBoer as your head coach, they, that's the one thing I think that really kind of makes Vegas who they are now is the fact that when they need to lock a game down, um, they for the most part can, although we've seen them, but they, they still have that tendency sometimes to want to play racehorse hockey. In this case, last night I thought they played a bunch more response, a really pretty good, pretty responsible defensive game. But I thought again, so did Chicago. I thought it was definitely a, a, a better performance out of them. Crawford had a, had a good performance, um, but again, the offense was absolutely held in check. I mean, Olimata is your only when Olimata is your only scorer. Yeah, you know, you know that that's going to be difficult. So in the end. Um, we didn't think this was going to be a long, a long series. I was giving Chicago maybe a little bit of credit to to maybe get. I mean, I think I did five. I gave them a little credit. You I know, did six. Yeah. I, I did six because there were enough things that Chicago did in. The maybe I did six. Period. I don't remember. But yeah, but I, but but it's one of the circumstances where I wouldn't have been surprised if it went five. The same way, obviously, with Philadelphia, I said five against Montreal, but that easily now we know can go six or seven. Um, so it could have swung either way. So in the end. Um, Vegas is just is just one, uh, levels above Chicago, and Chicago is doing what they can uh, in this circumstance to try to have a good accordance and to go into next season with you know with obviously uh, some brighter hopes. 
Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I give Chicago a lot of credit because, you know, it was a one-goal game uh, last night. It was an overtime game the game before. They've kept it close against a team I think outguns them. Um, and I also think that the victory that they had in the qualifying round was more commentary on the fatal flaws of the Oilers than it was. You know, I, 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 think, I think Chicago has got some good young players, but, you know, Ideally, they shouldn't have beat Edmonton, but they just outplayed them, outchanced them, and and you know dominated them in the sense that it was McDavid and Drysaitel and nobody else. But yeah, I pick I picked the the, the the Golden Knights in five in this series, and you know the switch from uh, Leonard to Flurry, and Flurry played really well yesterday. I don't know if they're going to stick yep. with that or go or go back to Leonard, but. You know, Vegas right now looks like the team that's odds-on to come out of the West, and uh, you know that I don't think that should be any big surprise. It was nice that um, Leonard had a real positive tweet too about Flurry. It just shows you how, how how far he's come and the camaraderie with goalies. Like most of the time, goalies don't root against the other goalie, and you know, and that's that's a nice thing to see. Whereas in you know, like let's say the NFL, I don't think Brett Favre did anything to help Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. I did watch this game, and two things really struck me. One, that Tampa does know how to hold on to a lead now. And two, uh, and I'll make this bold statement, as bold as you should never see pumpkin spice in anything in August, and you will. Um, And Victor Hedman might be the most important player for any team in the league to Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen that, and there's a reason why the guy's a perennial Norris Trophy candidate and had a, you know, again, Hedman is just, we saw it in the final round-robin game out, you know, Tampa struggled to kind of bring themselves back in, in tow and, again, scores his first of the postseason in this game and just, he's just a, dom- just, just a dominant player, a guy you yep. really can just ride ride and ride you know and he's just a machine he's just a machine he i think we see two defensemen in this series that are literally like if you're if you're going to go to central casting on the kind of defenseman you want to have between him and 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 columbus's seth jones yeah these are the two guys that really you know that 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 you're going to go to central casting and, and create a perfect defenseman i think you're that that those are that those are the two that you would use and Mike, I was really happy to see Princeton's uh, Eric Robinson score a goal. I, I like that kid in college. I have to admit, I have a soft spot for him. But you know, look, Columbus just couldn't get over the hump this game, and Vasilevsky is a big reason. And and I think that's what's going to ultimately undo them in this series. They they give great effort. They they certainly are in the game. But if Tampa could hold the lead now, and Hedman's healthy, and Vasilevsky's playing good, this is a big uphill battle for Columbus. Yeah, just to touch on Anthony's point, yeah, the Seth Jones and and Hedman are like cyborgs. They just seem like not not tire out. You know, this this is a guy who hurt his ankle and people thought was going to miss significant time in the series. Comes back and plays eight periods in almost sixty minutes in a, in a five overtime game, and then scores the game winning goal in game three. And he just you know it doesn't seem phased. And Seth Jones is just you know a steady force constantly but this game was lost and Tortorella said said this in the post game remarks this game was lost or excuse me Cooper said this and then Tortorella said something different that I'll talk about in a second but Cooper said that this game 
essentially was the first 12 minutes of the first period when Columbus had 10 shots on goal, had a five-on-three for a minute and a half, and couldn't beat Vasilevsky. And yeah. after that, the Tampa Bay dominated the game, limited Columbus to seven shots. And what Tortorella said after the game, and I, I sort of buy this, after playing the equivalent of seven full games in I think nine or ten days, uh, he, what he thought was going to be the, the, the fatigue that showed in Game 2 ended up showing in Game 3. He was not happy with the energetic, with the energy level of his team. Now, he may be just protecting his team from a bad, of a bad effort in the last two periods, but even with that, they, were, they only lost by a goal, and they stayed close through the second and third period with only seven shots on goal. So although I, I think Tampa is favored in this series and should win it, but I still think the Blue Jackets, if they get Cam Atkinson back, uh, can still stick with them. And I still think that there's that little seed in the back of John Cooper's mind that we have a tough time beating this team. You know, we're more talented than them, and we've only won by one goal in eight in, in eight periods, and then in that game last night. Okay, that's fair. So let's talk about another series, and and I'm not going to add much to it. I at this point. Um, for anybody who thinks Dylan Dubé is coming out of, out of the woodwork, I really do say go look at it, what he did in juniors and what he did in the AHL. It's just I think people forget, Ant, that Calgary takes their time with guys, and they've had a pretty strong forward group, so it hasn't been easy for him to break in. But he looks great. Calgary looks great. Cam Talbot looks like the old Cam Talbot. Dallas has no pulse, man. They just, they're done. I don't care what, they're done. That was, my, that was my biggest concern coming into this series. I did not like the way Dallas looked. Um, again, I think Tyler Sagan probably had his best game of the series and still and still was held pointless. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his overall levels, it's just I have I, I just have real real concern with the Stars in this series, especially against a team like the Flames, who again young aggressive team. Um, and it's just I didn't like I, I Calgary winning this series in six, and right now the pattern seems to be working that way. I, I think Dallas will comport themselves at least to win at least another game in the series, maybe push it to seven, but I don't like their chances at all. They they look they, they just look very they look stiff out there. Not a ton of flow to their play that I Boy, I, push I, it to seven. I'd like to see them win a game. I don't know if they're gonna. That's what I'm saying. Well they have a game. I mean it's two games to one. So oh it's two to one, that's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Two yeah. to one. So I think again I had that's Calgary right. winning this series in six. So I think they, Dallas does have at least one more win in them. It might to very mm-hmm. big day here in game four. But it also depends. It, I, I need to see how they win it, too. Their performance versus, again, versus how the Flames are playing as well. If it's one of those things where they kind of, you know, are able to counterpunch and get a few lucky goals to even the series up, that doesn't change my, my, my view on it. Again, Dylan Dubé is having a nice little run here. He could very well have a Druce-like run in him here, as we like to say, mm-hmm. for guys that you don't necessarily expect to be uh, top offensive scorers. Again, it's going to be. I, I again, things are kind of playing out the way I thought. Again, I'm not. wasn't a big believer of the stars coming into this, and there's nothing about the series that's changing my mind. So let's talk about Philly. We'll do a little bit on Blues Canucks, but we won't have a lot of time to do a lot. Um, well, let, me, let me let me just say one quick thing about the about Dallas. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry about they, that. They, no, no problem. They 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 go zero and two with Anton Kadobin in that and play. You know their usual tight defensive game, and when Bishop is in there, they had the confidence to sort of be more offensive and take more chances. And I think they went with Kadobin because it was back second of back to back, and right. I'm sure that 
Bishop is nursing some sort of injury. But the key for Dallas to be in this series is you have to play Bishop every game. You cannot play Kadobin. only made 21 saves on 23 shots, and that was – not bad, but that was the margin of victory for the Flames. So I think with Kachuk uh, probably out, at least for a while, at least that's the indication, um, it, you know, I think Dallas is still in the series, but it's going to be tough for them. It is. It is going to be tough. All right. So Flyers, Canadians, all evened up. Uh, I Look, Anthony and I definitely were not shocked, and Mike probably wasn't either, that Montreal had all the emotion and everything. Their, their coach was in the mm-hmm. hospital at the time. Now he's home. He's resting. He's doing better. You know, I like Kirk Muller. I actually think he's probably better for this team than Claude Julian because he'll do a few more things and he'll play a few more young players, and they did, and, and that's good. But end of the day, Ant, the one thing that I'm taking away that we couldn't have guessed on this, especially since we looked at the beginning you know, of these playing games, where Shea Weber sort of looked a little slow. We didn't know that he put on 10 pounds of muscle and probably worked out harder in these four months off than he may have done this previous offseason. And he looks like Chris Pronger out there. And that's going to account for a couple of games besides Carey Price in Montreal's favor. I think Philly still wins, but that's making it a lot harder, no question about it. Yeah, when Shea Weber, is, when Shea Weber plays like Shea Weber, he's a, he's a series changer. I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. And Philadelphia has to obviously adjust tactically to that. Biggest concern, again, that I had for Philadelphia was the fact that how just right from puck drop in game two, they looked like they were skating in quicksand as if they, they already had this game in the bag already. And I don't know, again, they, it, it, they should have easily looked back at some of their tape from game one and realized, you know, basically this was the second period of game one in a macro form. Montreal took exactly what they, they – the good things that they took out of game one, out of that game. There were just so many things in this game that were pointing to me in Montreal's favor to even the series. It's just I – didn't, I, didn't I don't think anybody expected Philadelphia to completely just – absolutely just, just blow a tire in this game and look like they're standing still next to – Right. Montreal just smelled blood and continuously – and, yes, there was some puck luck on Mon- in Montreal's favor, certainly the deflection off of – Gosses Bear skate on the on on uh, Tadar's second power uh, on the second goal in the power play that put them. But really at two nothing, they still didn't look right. And then once they got no. to three nothing, then they get a five on three opportunity. Blow mm-hmm. it! They they're they're making just just stupid stupid passes. Uh, and, and it's what do you think about Giroux's play? I felt like he was pretty vapid for a couple of periods in a couple of games, and then sort of adjusted a little bit. But he hasn't looked great. In game one, he had some decent looks on the power play. Game two, non-existent. I mean, not noticed. And there's a reason why Elaine Vigneault, after the game, basically threw down, the, in, in, in his own way, threw down the yeah. gauntlet to his top players, like him, like Voracek, uh, yeah. and, uh, and obviously James Van Riemsdyk, who, was an, who has been an absolute non-factor so far in the series. I know. Yeah, I didn't even know he was in the bubble. If you'd, have, if you'd have told me he wasn't in the bubble, I would have believed you. He, and here's the thing. I'm kidding. Depending on the health of uh, Travis Konechny, yeah. I think based off of practice yesterday, Michael Raffle, I think, is going to draw back in. Yeah, and, wouldn't shock me. Wing, where, where's JVR going? Yeah. JVR, JVR, may be looking, JVR may be looking at a healthy scratch today. Now, Oscar Limblom may skate today, I but I don't okay. expect him to play. He was okay. He was okay. No, Limblom's not going to play yet. No. Limblom is not playing yet. They, they, no. they, 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 he's, he's getting there. It'll be a while, I think. Yeah, but he's skating, in. which is nice to see. 
it's, yeah. it's nice to see, but I don't, I don't think he's going to draw back in this soon. Uh, no. But, again, if Raffle is in and Konechny is okay and can play, pending and again, we don't know. That's a big, we don't know, yeah. big issue for Philadelphia if he's not playing. But, again, Konechny's also been a non-factor so far in this, in this series as well. Yeah, he couldn't even break his own stick. Did you see that? That was pretty funny. Exactly, yeah. And Couture, you get that. You have Couturier who's playing his game but knows that he is a, tar- he is a Montreal target. They have Matthew Deneau matched up on his line. And they they've they've taken to that. Jake Evans, I thought had a real played pretty well from his position coming back in for for, for Montreal. That was a nice again, move by Muller putting him in. Right, and I'm not. And again, I know there's you know the big question was well did 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 Carter Hart have a, have a bad game? No, I don't think Carter had a bad game. Just he again, this was defense. He wasn't set on the first goal. If you want to say that, I'm, I'll yeah, be in the camp of that. Yeah, and then the, the deflection goal, you could probably hang maybe one, maybe two of the goals right. and say it wasn't, wasn't perfect. But the concern that I have for Philadelphia is also the fact that in game one, they had a, at best what I thought was a B-level game with an F third, with, a, with an F rating in the second, with a, maybe a D rating because they managed to get a goal yeah. uh, from Joel Farabee. Um, and Farabee, again, as you saw, was dropping down lines as this game went on, be- and, and they, they accelerated Jake Voracek to the top line again. We may yep. see that again occur in this game. Again, I have concerns for Philadelphia, but at the same time, this is where, again, this is where Elaine Vigneault being cheeky, saying this is where they pay me the big bucks to make these decisions. And he's got a certain swagger about himself, uh, Elaine. Uh, and in this circumstance, I think Philadelphia will be able – to make the necessary adjustments. The biggest thing is, for me, for Philadelphia, they cannot slow start against Montreal. No. They if you're going to make the mistakes that they've made, yeah, game, when you're up by one game in a series, if you're going to – that was a series worth of mistakes that they made in game yeah. two. So if it's yeah. going to happen, let it happen then so, when the, so the series isn't lost yet. But it should serve as a sobering reminder to Philadelphia that if you don't skate with the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to punch you in the mouth and they're going to take your lunch money from you. Mike? Well, I mean, 62 seconds into the game, Tatar gets that goal to make it one nothing, And I think that Philadelphia just realized, okay, this team's going to rally around, you know, the fact that Julian, um, you know, was struck by a health crisis and, and mm-hmm. they just sort of rolled over from there. But I, I found it hilarious, the comments after the game, that the slight, you know, the, the slight that, uh, <laughs> that uh, Elaine Vigneault talked about, about they put out yeah. their number one power play when we were up 5 nothing. I mean, if you, you're, so, you're so digging for That's something to, to, to gin up your team uh, yeah. after, after mailing, and mailing it in in the final two periods. I, I thought it was hilarious. And by the way, JVR, I'm sure he'll be occupying his time at the game room at Hotel X playing video games or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, when, Elaine made, yeah. when Elaine made that comment, I was like, this is a coach who's just trying to get it. He, he, he's definitely sure. ginning up. He's trying to get his – he, he as, as – as, um, as he wants Greg to get his players Greg, pissed off, if that's possible. As Greg, as Greg Wyshynski said from, from, from ESPN, the Flyers are about to discover what an Elaine Vigneault teachable moment is. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, it's the truth. I guarantee you, for, for, for the, the smiling, you know, and again, 
he was in his, in, in his usual, I don't want to say his, his, his uh, dry martini mood, uh, but he was definitely, there was a certain, Elaine certainly was presenting a lot of swagger. And I think whatever messages that he's getting across to his team have been delivered. And again, all he's got to do is look at a guy like Jake Voracek, who, again, is up and down in this play. And you can basically say, you know, he, Jake no, said it from a couple of years ago that there's only so long that this management team is going to look at, uh, uh, you know, at us top players and say whether or not we're going to get it done. Guarantee that's something that Elaine probably said and said, you, do you want this or not? I mean, because at this point now, you're not going to get that many more cracks at this with this team if this is what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, My last hours. point, uh, on the local broadcast, um, Bill Clement, was doing his best homerism, you know, not as bad as Edwards, but he has his moments. And one of them was to say that Sean Couturier was doing a good job against Shea Weber when Shea Weber basically made him eat the ice. Both people in my house were la- We were giggling at that. It was good entertainment. <laughs> That's all I could say. All right, so let's talk Canucks Blues. I mean, the Canucks have really um, opened some eyes here. And, and I could tell Barube is pissed off. You could see it in that last game. He is going to take no prisoners with his team. If they felt like they could coast, they now know they can't. They're down 0-2. Uh, but I've got to say, I, and I've been saying it all year, like Quinn Hughes, that bank pass is brilliant. Forget about winning you know, the Calder. You know, he's a top-10 defenseman in the league. And I, I've been saying it for months and months and months and months that he's revolutionizing the position. And, yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw a bank pass like that to spring a guy and, and then won the game for him, man. I think, honestly, if Vancouver gets deep into this postseason, gets, let's, get, let's just get crazy and think they actually get to, get to a cup final. Right. He's a, he, he's, he's a con Smythe candidate. I mean, he's, he, is. He, he, he has that much of an effect on Vancouver's performance in this series. And, again, let's not take away from Bo Horvat and how amazing no. and what, what, what an amazing playoff run he's having right now. But, again, Vancouver – We always like Bo Horvat, right? But, like, Hughes is making him better. Other guys are making him better. That was the problem with Horvat. He didn't have a lot of guys making him better. Yeah, and now he is. And now they're kind of they're, – they're following his lead. And are following Hughes's lead, and they're getting pre- yeah. getting a pretty pretty good performances out of Jacob Markstrom in net. They're yeah. matching and doing better, honestly, than St. Louis than, than St. Louis is in this in this series. Now, again, there's times in this game where St. Louis was playing their game, but at the end of this whole thing, Jordan Bennington cannot. Uh, he has to have better performances than he than he's had. He in does. This series, no question. So far, again, he's he, he, when you're coming out of games and you have a you know your save percentage is literally is is in the low nines coming into this thing, and he had an and and, and the one thing they really that was their bread and butter that his, was his bread and butter last year was how well he would play on a back to back at after a loss was that he would be absolutely shut down. In this game, right. his save percentage was eighty four percent. Yeah, that's that, brutal. That, that that turns that turns the Blues into the team that they were prior to last year, which is a lot of talent but they get so much of their swagger and so they feed so much off of Jordan Bennington uh, that when he's not on, there's just something missing with the blues and we're seeing it right now. So they're not Cinderella anymore. They're reverting back. I got it. Mike. Yeah. The, I was going to bring up pumpkin when you made that analogy, but uh, I knew you would. I was handing it to you. (laughs) And there you go. But, but see, the thing is if Barube is desperate enough, 
and it's been floated out there. I remember I saw her, I heard it yesterday that uh, he's considering going to Jake Allen. This series is over with because we talking yeah, about resorting back to to what they were before last season. Well, that was primarily because Jake Allen is an average goaltender at best, and Binnington played right. great in the playoffs last year. Now the question is whether Binnington can recapture last year's form. I don't know. I I, I watched a lot of this game. It was a nip and tuck battle. I mean, Markstrom makes that ridiculous save in overtime, and then they come back down and get the, and get the winning goal. Um, so I mean, I, I think that. Maybe the reaction of I mean it's they're down two nothing and the reaction of Barube right now is desperate because they are down two nothing to a team that's sort yeah. of out skilling them and out skating them. But I, you know if the Blues win game three, this is back to being the, the oh, yeah. tight the tight series that I thought. So you know maybe he's pressing his buttons right the, the right buttons right now to get his team engaged. I don't think the series is over with. I I, I still pick. Me neither. I still think the Blues can, are going to are going to win the series, but right now the Canucks have the advantage. Oh, I, I, I think that's fair. Well, with regards to Ben, I think when, when, when Bruby made the comment that he made uh, about, you know, being noncommittal on Bennington, to me, yeah. the read on that is he's going to go to Bennington in games. I think he's going to go to Bennington in game three, but Bennington is now, it was basically to me a gauntlet that was dropped down. I yes. don't think he's yes. going to go to Allen in games. I don't think he's going to go to Allen in that game, but I do no. think – uh, if they're down th- 03, then at that point, yeah. Yes, then, then he'll go. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's what that's what coaches do. I mean, the the one thing that can't be overlooked here is, even though there's no travel, this schedule is hard, man. Like this schedule for playoff hockey, you know, you're playing one day, you're playing at you know 10:30, you're playing 10:30 the next night. You're playing there. There there are very few breaks, so. We do have to say that, and that is affecting teams. There's no question about it. Tortorella pointed it out. It's an absolute, it's an absolute pressure cooker. Because in this circumstance, you it can be good and it can be bad. And the fact that sometimes when you're done the second game, and then you get a little bit of opportunity to decompress when you travel to the other city. Mm-hmm. That's not true here. You basically go back to your hotel rooms too. Now that can work to your advantage quickly, and that can cause more wild momentum swings in a series i think that's the that that's possible there where you know you can get back on the horse really fast and but you're still you're you're it's different in that you're not at home at at all in this thing you're in a very unique environment and it's really going to be interesting to see in this pressure cooker how certain teams respond to this right now when they when you don't really have the normal decompression window you might go home if you're the home team and you go home and you see you know your children and you see your family and, and, and you get a little bit of opportunity in this case yeah you get to go over to the to, to the uh to the timmy to, to, to the timmy hortons and get a, some coffee or you know play a little bit of tennis or something like that but you kind of you're more likely to stew in your own thoughts i think even more than maybe where you might have a, a little bit of a, of a moment of distraction with your family if you're the home team yeah, just being that old hotel person that I am, I'm waiting to hear about damage in rooms. If, like, JR was, Jeremy Roenick was playing in this series, um, he probably would have trashed a room already. That's my thought. But we'll see. So far, these guys have been good. We haven't heard anything. Yeah, Nagano, nineteen ninety eight. Um, just, just, just one <laughs> note on the on the one series that we we hadn't touched on. Um, yeah. The Washington Capitals may be dead. And, they could uh, be dead. It, they could be. We'll yeah. find out today. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're down, they're, 
They're down two nothing in that series. I they haven't been impressed with the, the, the way they they played so far in the series. You know, Tom Wilson running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to trying to stir up stuff, and and I think the Islanders have have, have treated him with sort of the lack of respect that he deserves. But without Backstrom, with Carlson, I think probably playing at around sixty percent, and Holpe hasn't played well. I mean, right now it looks on, uh, like it's on the road to a sweep for the Islanders, and I find that tough to believe. They have no safety net, and and I didn't realize that Samsonov had gotten into an ATV accident. Like, if you're the Capitals, you are really pissed off because you knew that there'd be a chance you would bring Samsonov in there for sure because yeah. Hopi has these moments, and this game would be perfect for Samsonov, and you don't have him. No, you don't. You got to go with You know, the only thing you have now is you have to ride with Holby, and you don't have. Yeah. You know, you know, you're going. You're not. Vitek Vanacek's only going to see ice time if there's. You know, if there's an injury to Holby at this point now, or it's a six nothing game or something. I didn't, yeah, right. Exactly. I did not like. I mean, Washington had some okay games in the round robin, but again, I coming into this thing even before the puck was dropped, the Capitals just even prior to even going back into March, the, the Caps were not in a good place. They were failing. No. They, they got up to a largely – I have my concern about them defensively, especially when you don't have Carlson there at full capacity. It's very obvious, you know, their defense is not as good as it was, uh, you know, the last couple of years. It's definitely not as – and it's putting inordinate amount of pressure now on, you know, I mean, you're asking Alex Ovechkin to carry the load. Um, He's got to score five the, goals in a game. Though. All the issues. And the Owners were the exact kind of opponent coming in that I did not like, that, that I have my concerns with. You could say, hey, well, offensively they don't have the horses to go with Washington. They got enough up front. They have got enough to go, especially if a guy like Everly gets loose. You have to keep an eye on him. Um, and you have the rest of that lineup as well. And they play Barry Trotz's system to the hilt. They're getting good goaltending out of, our, out of our Lamov. It's just at the end of the day, this is just to me – it was, it was not a good matchup for Washington and a hungry team like the Islanders, especially all the motivation in the world with your coach being their old head coach. You know he was going to gin them up really good for this. Again, I had Islanders in seven, and might, they might get parked way sooner than even I thought. Yeah, you might be right. All right, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go take a nap. That's it for Off the Post. <laughs> we'll catch everybody next time. Buddy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.